Iskan founder Acharya Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai, Nantakoti Vaishnavrinda Ki Jai, Namacharya Srila Haridas Thakur Ki Jai, Prem Shikaho Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Dharati Radhaiti Vasari Gaur Bhaktivinda Ki Jai, Shri Shri Radha Krishna Gopina Shaina Kunda Radha Kunda Giri Govardhana Ki Jai, Vrindavan Dhamma Ki Jai, Matura Dhamma Ki Jai, Navadrib Mayapur Dhamma Ki Jai, Jagannath Puri Dhamma Ki Jai, Ganga Mai Juna Devi Ki Jai, Bhakti Devi Ki Jai, Tulsi Maharani Ki Jai, Samaveta Bhaktivinda Ki Jai, Gaur Premanande, All Glories to the Assembled Devotees, All Glories to the Assembled Devotees, All Glories to the Assembled Devotees, All Glories to Sri Guru and Garanga, All Glories to Srila Prabhupada, Nama Om Vishnu Pradaya, Krishna Prasaya Bhutale, Srimati Bhaktivedanta Swami, Namane, Namaste Saraswati Devi, Gaurani Pachani, Nivisesa Sanyani, Paskatyadi Satarani, Vandeham Shri Guru Shri Uta Padakamalam Shri Guru and Vaishnavamsha Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raganatam Bitams Tam Sajivam Sadvoitam Sadvadutam Parijana Sahita Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Lavita Shri Vishakam Vitascha Panchakapajivischa Kibis and Bhavatapti Tanam Pavi Ega Vaishnavi Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya January 7th, 2017 at New Varshana, Auckland, New Zealand, reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 2, Chapter 4, The Process of Creation, Text 2. Atmajaya Sutagara Pashudravena Bandushu Rajjechaki Kale Nicham Virudam Mamatam Jahau Please chant. ladies.
Atma, body, Jaya, wife, Sutta, sun, Agara, palace, Pashu, horses and elephants, Dravana, treasury house, Bandushu, unto friends and relatives, Rajya, in the kingdom, Cha, also, Avikale, without being disturbed, Nityam, constant, Virudham, deep-rooted, Mamatam, affinity, Jahal, Gema, translation and proportion. Maharaj Parikshit, as a result of his wholehearted attraction for Lord Krishna, was able to give up all deep-rooted affection for his personal body, his wife, his children, his palace, his animals like horses and elephants, his treasury house, his friends and relatives, and his undisputed kingdom. To become liberated means to become free from Dehatma Buddhi, the illusory attachment for personal bodily coverings and everything connected with the body, namely wife, children, and all other entanglements. One selects a wife for bodily comforts, and the result is children. For wife and children, one requires a dwelling place, and as such, a residential house is also necessary. Animals like horses, elephants, cows, and dogs are all household animals, and a householder has to keep them as household paraphernalia. In modern civilization, the horses and elephants have been replaced by cars and conveyances with considerable horsepower. Prabhupada, so. That's such a charming statement Prabhupada makes. To maintain all the household affairs, one has to increase the bank balance and be careful about the treasury house. Now this next statement is also just such a wonderful statement Prabhupada makes. And in order to display the opulence of material assets, one has to keep good relations with friends and relatives, as well as to become very careful about maintaining the status quo. <laughs> this is called material civilization or material attachment. Devotion for Lord Krishna means negation of all material attachments, as detailed above. By the grace of Lord Krishna, Maharaj Pariket was awarded all material amenities and an undisputed kingdom in which to enjoy an undisturbed position of king. But by the grace of the Lord, he was able to give up all connections with material attachment. That is the position of a pure devotee. Maharaj Pariket, due to his natural affection for Lord Krishna as a devotee of the Lord, bless you, bless you, bless you, was always executing his royal duties on behalf of the Lord. And as a responsible king of the world, he was always careful to see that the influence of Kali would not enter his kingdom. A devotee of the Lord never thinks of his household paraphernalia as his own, but surrenders everything for the service of the Lord. Thereby, living entities under a devotee's care get the opportunity for God-realization by the management of a devotee master. Attachment for household paraphernalia and for Lord Krishna go poorly together. One attachment is the path of darkness and the other attachment is the path of light. Where there is light, there is no darkness and where there is darkness, there is no light. But an expert devotee can turn everything to the path of light 
by an attitude of service to the Lord. And the best example here is the Pandavas. Maharaj Yudhisthira and householders like him can turn everything to light by dovetailing so-called material assets in the service of the Lord. But one who is not trained or is unable to turn everything to the service of the Lord, Nirbanda, Krishna Sambande, must give up all material connections before he can be fit to hear and chant the glories of the Lord. Or in other words, one who has seriously heard Srimad Bhagavatam for even one day, like Maharaj Parikit, from a fit personality like Sukadeva Goswami, may be able to lose all affinity for material things. There is no utility simply in imitating Maharaj Parikit and hearing Bhagavatam from professional men even for 700 years. To take Srimad Bhagavatam as a means of maintaining family expenditure is the grossest type of namaparad offense at the feet of the Lord. Sarva Shubha Kriya Samam Api Pramada. Atmajaya Sutagara Pashu Dravena Bandushu Rajje Chavi Kale Nityam Virudham Mamatam Jahao. Maharaj Prikit, as a result of his wholehearted attraction for Lord Krishna. What's the word here for attraction for Krishna? Mamatam. Was able to give up all deep rooted affection for his personal body his wife, his children, his palace, his animals like horses and elephants, his treasury house, his friends and relatives, and his undisputed kingdom. So here is light and darkness. Light and darkness. So why is this light and darkness? What does it mean, attachment to material things? And it is so beautifully explained here in this purport. It doesn't mean whether or not you have material things. It's not that somebody, you know, with one torn dhoti is more spiritually advanced. Someone was just asking me this yesterday. You know, are the sannyasis the most advanced? We're going to discuss this in text 6 of Manashiksha. This conception that if you're in a renounced order, you're the most advanced. Not necessarily. Somebody who has a great kingdom and cars or horses and great opulence uh, might be more virudha mamata, have deep-rooted attachment and affinity for Krishna. And somebody who's apparently very renounced and even teaching the Bhagavatam may be doing so out of some material attachment and it's actually offensive. You know, it's not, it's, that's not the question. What is the material attachment that's in darkness? It's thinking, I am the Lord of Krishna's energy. And we can understand this very, 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 very simply. Just like right now, my granddaughter and I are staying in someone else's house. We're staying in the house of Arjuna and Madhava. And they wrote us a little note. You know, feel free to go into the main house and use whatever you want. But I'm sure that if we started going through their closets, you know, and taking out their clothes without their permission and just wearing them, and that they'd be a little disturbed. Or if I started saying, well, now this is my house. I mean, sometimes when I travel, I'll stay with people's, with people's homes. And they'll say, Ormila, this is your house. But do they mean that literally? I don't think so. Right? It's my house as long as I respect that it's not my house. You follow? As long as I understand this is actually somebody else's house, and out of affection for me, or respect for me, or whatever reason, they're allowing me to use everything in their house 
as if it was mine. But it's not really mine. And if I become attached to it, if I think, you know, well, this is my desk to enjoy as I like and my towel and my this and my, my car. <laughs> Even some devotees here said, you know, you can use our car while you're in Auckland. Although I wasn't so eager to drive on what for me is the wrong side of the road. But if I started thinking, well, it's my car. You know, I'm going to drive it down to Wellington. I'm going to ship it to America. Then what would happen is that my relationship with the actual owner would become disturbed. Is this clear to everybody? I can't maintain a proper relationship with the owner of a house if I take their energy and claim it for myself separate from my relationship with them. I can use their energy as part of my relationship with them, but I can't take it as separate. As soon as I do that, I become a what? A thief. And then my relationship with them is disturbed. So I tell this story, actually, I usually tell it when I'm teaching Manashiksha, but it's relevant here. This is a true story. So there was a woman who had a very expensive bag, one of these, uh, like Gucci or Louis Vuitton or one of those sort of bags that costs, you know, $5,000, $10,000 for a little purse. And a friend was staying at her house, and the friend said, hey, can I borrow your bag? And so the woman said, sure. And then she returned it. And a month later, the bag broke, and the woman took it in to be repaired, and the repair shop said, this is a copy. This isn't a genuine article. And she could understand that her friend had switched it. And she went to her friend and said, you know, what's going on? You stole my bag. And the friend said, well, I needed some money, so I sold it for $500. If you like, I'll give you the $500 that I got for it. But the woman wasn't satisfied because her so-called friend had betrayed the trust of their relationship and hadn't acknowledged that. Thought, oh, you know, oh, my friend's stuff are for me to take and do with as I please. And my friend should just understand that. So material attachment is like that. We're taking Krishna's energy, our own body, the bodies of our friends and relatives, our paraphernalia, our house, our car, our furniture, our computers. When Prabhupada wrote this, people didn't have their own computers. I'm sure he would have mentioned it. You know, their smartphones and their animals, their dogs and cats, or their cars, which represent what people used to have as animals, their motorcycles. This is mine, to do with as I please. And the modern standard for morality is, as long as I'm not hurting anybody else, then it's okay. That's you. As long as, you know, as long as what I'm doing isn't hurting anybody else. And if it involves somebody else, as long as we agree, you know, as long as we agree, I can use you in this way, you can use me in this way, and as long as we're not hurting anybody, it's okay. It doesn't work like that. I can't go with the place I'm staying. My granddaughter and I can't stay. Well, you know, as long as we agree to use their stuff however we want. There has to be the agreement of the owner also. You follow? Yes? And even this body, does this body belong to me? Anybody? Can you say you own your body? What's our evidence that we don't own our body? 
we have to leave it behind. And can we control that? We have to get sick. If we owned our body, would we get sick? We get injured. If we were actually the owner and controller of our body, that wouldn't happen. We're not the owner of our stuff. Can it be taken away? Yes? Can our stuff be taken away? In so many different ways. So we're actually not the owner. Mars Yudhisthira has this nice verse in the Bhagavatam. Who actually owns the body? Is it the parents who feed it? Is it the master who maintains it? Right? Is it the creatures that eat it after we're dead? And the key here is virudham mamatam. This is the key. That Maharaj Pariket was able to enjoy the world, apparently, without becoming contaminated because he had virudham mamatam. He had deep-rooted affinity, mamata. Does anyone know the literal meaning of mamata? Ownership. Now, the two things that have to be there with Krishna is that I am Krishna's and Krishna is mine. I am Krishna's and Krishna is mine. If I love the owner of the house in which I'm staying, if I have some affinity for them, then naturally I won't want to use their things in a way that hurts them. Correct? We naturally don't want to offend people that we care about. Now sometimes I don't want to offend people just because I'm afraid that I'll suffer in some way. <laughs> I'll offend them and they'll take away my privileges or something like that. But if I actually love someone, I genuinely don't want to hurt them. I don't want to do anything that will upset them. I don't want to do anything that will hurt my relationship with them. So it's not that Mars Brickett was attached, was detached because of Gyan. He wasn't like, I know nothing in the world belongs to me. I am a soul. I have nothing to do with this world. Therefore, I am detached. It wasn't that kind of detachment. So the nature of material attachments, we're going to look at the nature of material attachments and using so-called attachments in service and uh, are there circumstances when we should externally give up the things in this world? So the nature of attachments, Prabhupada describes so beautifully here. It's for bodily comfort. I want things for my bodily comfort. That generally people get married because this person will satisfy my senses. They'll give some enjoyment for my body. That's why they have a home, that's why they have children, that's why they have a job then I will have nice things to see and to hear and to taste and to touch and to smell. And for my ego, right? It's, just so, it's so charming where Prabhupada says to display the opulence of material assets one has to keep good relations with friends and relatives as well as become very careful about maintaining the status quo. Because I don't just want nice things to see and touch and taste and smell. I also want everyone to say, you are great. And I go, You are very expert. You know, you are very intelligent. You are very kind. You know, I want people to say nice things about me. That sense gratification for the, for the ego and for the mind, isn't it? If I just have sense gratification for the body and not for the subtle body, is that very pleasing? If you have great food, you know, and great sex life and great music to listen to and nice furniture to sit on and everybody's criticizing you 
you know, if your wife is going, you know, why don't you ever fix anything? I've been asking you for a year to fix everything. You know, and your kids are going, Daddy, you never let us do what we want. I don't like you anymore. You know, and your boss says, how come you're not in work on time? You're not getting your job done. What are you, you're a lazy, good-for-nothing fool? A kid wouldn't be happy in that situation. So we also want people to praise our ego. You know, you want a husband who says, oh, you're the most beautiful woman in the world. And you want children who go, oh, mommy, I love you. Daddy, I love you. You know, we're in the Hare Krishna movement. We all want the other devotees to go, oh, you're so loyal to Srila Prabhupada. And you're so dedicated and you're so sincere. And we wouldn't be able to even look at all the wonderful service you do. And we're like, yes, that's right. <laughs> so this is what, we, what material enjoyment is all about. Right? But this is attachment to enjoying the energy of the Lord separate from the Lord. This body and this mind, right? this is all the, the material energy. So this earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, and ego. This is Krishna's. It's not mine. Even my ego isn't mine. Isn't that funny? Even my, my ego is actually a manifestation of who? What personality? Lord Shiva. It's not mine. So trying to enjoy this body and this ego separately from Krishna is stealing. It's just out and out stealing. And then I can't have affection for Krishna. How can you have affection for somebody you're stealing from? Can you do that? Is that possible? Can you have genuine affection for someone you're stealing from? Can you? No. You can have a false affection. Oh, I like you so much. <laughs> and Prabhupada said, too much devotion is the sign of a thief. You know, if somebody is really flattering you, then you think, hmm, <laughs> you know, what do they want? I'm not that great. So that's material illusion. And that's what has to be given up. This idea that this body and this false ego are mine and it's mine to enjoy. Just by the way, we're not going to get into this in, in detail at all. But is that very satisfying? Isn't that very satisfying? Just trying to enjoy your senses and your ego. Is it? How much satisfaction do we get from that? A little bit, right? little temporary. Oh, I got good food for breakfast. And then an hour later, that enjoyment is gone. And the enjoyment from the ego is really tenuous because you've got to, you know, maintain all these things in order to get it, right? You have to make sure you're treating everybody nicely and you say exactly the right thing and you post the right thing on social media. And you, right? You understand? And you dress exactly the right way. You have, you know, the, boy, am I out of fashion? And <laughs> You've got, you've got to have all this anxiety just to maintain having other people praise your ego. And all the while they're praising your ego, you're thinking, do they really mean it? I mean, if they, if they actually knew what I was like, would they still be praising me? Oh, you're such a sincere. But I wasn't sincere yesterday at 4 o'clock. If they knew that, then they wouldn't like me anymore. Isn't it? 
You know, we have all this anxiety. So that's, that's not really very, very much pleasure anyway. So what the devotee does, uh, near Bandar Krishna Sambande, Yukta Vairagya Uchite, what the devotee does is the devotee is not really concerned whether they have things in the world or they don't have things in the world. Because their happiness comes from I am Krishna's and Krishna is mine. Prabhupada said, in order to give up possessions, you have to have Krishna as your possession. We can't just be without possessions. So, if I'm Krishna's and Krishna is mine, does it really matter whether I have a thousand dollars or no dollars? Does it really matter whether I have three dhotis or a hundred dhotis? Does it really matter if everybody is saying how wonderful I am or nobody is saying how wonderful I am? If I have Krishna? No, it doesn't matter. So, this is the devotees. The devotees just, they do everything, Prabhupada says here, on behalf of Krishna. Krishna has some service to do, and I'm doing it to please him. I'm doing it as his representative. And it, it, it's just such a sweet relationship then. Okay, these people are letting me use their house, so I'm going to try to take care of their house for them. Like I'm thinking, oh, you know, I should probably water the Tulsi plant. and You know, I'm going to take care of it on their behalf to please them because I have some relationship with them. You know, someone lets me stay in their house and I have time before I leave, then I'll usually, like, wash all the bedding. Okay, let me, let me do something to please them, to take care of their things nicely. They should be able to come back to their house and say, wow, you did a good job taking care of my house. You know, if you if you've ever been a landlord and you rent a place to somebody, you know, and somebody, and they can trash your place, or do they take nice care of your place? So we should be able to say to Krishna, "Hey, I, I took nice care of the body. I took nice care of the mind, even." By the way, how do we take nice care of our ego? How do we take care of our ego to please Krishna? Keep it under control. <laughs> Bring it to the real ego. The way we take nice care of our ego is I am the servant of Krishna, I am the servant of the devotees. Chaitanya Dasamuni, Chaitanya Das, Chaitanya Dasamuni, Tanra Dasa Dasa. I am the servant of the servant of the servant of the devotees of Lord Chaitanya. That's how we take nice care of our ego. How do we take nice care of our mind? Hearing and chanting, thinking of Krishna. Prabhupada says the way we get rid of lust is we make plans how to serve Krishna. Because lust is making plans. Let's see, I'm going to get this new clothes, I'm going to get this new vehicle, I'm going to attract this person, I'm going to, you know, bolster my reputation in this way. But pleasing Krishna is on my plans. How am I going to serve Krishna? How am I going to decorate the temple? How am I going to take care of the property? How am I going to take care of the deities? How am I going to take care of the devotees? And then everything becomes, as Prabhupada says here, everything gets turned to the path of light. And Prabhupada also says here that anyone who's under such a devotee's care gets an opportunity for self-realization. So if you're taking care of your children or your animals or the little blades of grass outside your home, if you're taking care of them on behalf of Krishna and Krishna's service, they all get benefited. 
a devotee posted something the other day about how she's, she's always torn when she picks flowers for Krishna. Some of them that aren't so nice, you don't want to offer to Krishna. At the same time, she said she feels sorry for the flowers. And she says, well, even this imperfect flower should get a chance to serve Krishna. So what do I do? She thought, well, she kind of puts, puts the imperfect flower there and covers it up with nice ones. Of course, if the flower was really rotting, you can't. I had one flower I picked yesterday that was rotting by this morning, and I had to just say, I'm really sorry. I can't offer you. But this is anyone who's under the care of a, of a devotee who has this mood gets benefited. And the devotee themselves doesn't become entangled. So how to do that? Prabhupada says how to do that is you hear Bhagavatam from the right source. He says even one day in this purpose. If you just hear properly, right? If you just hear properly, and sometimes Prabhupada would say, you know, one verse, one word. Or back, way back, uh, when were Radhalandan Ishwar installed? 69, 70, I know, really early in the movement. And we had hardly any books translated. We had what? Nectar Devotion, Krishna Book, Bhagavad Gita, Teachings of Lord Chaitanya, First Canto Bhagavatam. And Prabhupada told Jamuna, if you just study these books I've given you, you can become perfect. So just hearing from the from the Shastra, hearing from the Acharyas, then we can understand, oh yeah, everything belongs to Krishna. And he's really wonderful. And I really like him. And he really likes me. And let me take care of everything to make him happy. And that may appear to be materialistic. I, I love, I just absolutely love the story in the Bible where Jesus talks about a master who had three servants. And one servant he gave ten coins, one he gave five, and one he gave one. And then he said, I'm going off on some business, take care of them. And the one who had ten, I think he multiplied them to a hundred. The one who had five, he multiplied them to ten. The one who had one, he thought, I better take care of my master's assets. And he buried it in the ground. When the master came back, to the one who'd multiplied by a hundred, he gave thousands. To the one who'd multiplied to ten, he gave hundreds. To the one who buried it in the ground, he took it away. And to the two who had multiplied, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. So whatever we have, our body, our mind, our intelligence, even our ego, our clothes, our family, our friends, our horses and cows and dogs and cats, hamsters or whatever people have. Our cars, our computers, our mobile phones, our shoes, the whole list that we have, subtle and gross. We want to use them in such a way that Guru and Krishna look and say, ah, well done, good and faithful servant. If we have some land, maybe grow some flowers, grow some vegetables. If you have children, teach them about Krishna. I met one devotee recently who's really into just, okay, I'm going to chant 64 rounds a day and just meditate on Krishna Leela. Okay, very nice. That's very nice. So he has a young child. And uh, I was giving him electronically all kinds of books and lectures. And then I said, Prabhu, I also have all these nice Krishna songs that you could teach your child. And he says, oh, I'm not, I don't want to bother. He says, I'm just focused on my own my own sadhana and you know whatever my, if he grows up to be a devotee fine if not not I'm just 
And I thought, wow. So not like that. You have a child, help your child to become Krishna conscious. You have a spouse, help your spouse to become Krishna conscious. And maybe do it just by giving them prasadam and being nice to them. But somehow increase. If we take the gifts that Krishna has given us and we bury them in the ground, oh, they're material, I'm going to be attached. Then Krishna is not going to be very pleased. But there are some circumstances where we do give up things externally. Prabhupada's saying here, if you're untrained. So if a person's untrained, they don't know how to use things in Krishna's service, and all they're doing is making a mess of things, they may have to externally give them up, Prabhupada says here, before they're able to hear and chant. Or Prabhupada says if they're just unable to use things in service. And sometimes we find that. Sometimes people are just, they can't figure out how to use something in service. Sometimes they try five years, ten years, and they just, I can't figure out how to use this in service. Does that mean there wasn't a way? No, there was a way. But if they personally can't do it, then for them it's better to give it up. And I think all of us run into some things like this. I know in my own life there are certain activities and certain services that if I get into them, I totally get into a false ego, lording it over the world mentality. I'm just not able to do it in service. And I see that as my own deficiency, but I may have to say, hey, this particular service or this particular situation, I, I have to renounce it externally. I'm not capable of connecting it with Krishna. Does this make sense to everybody? Yes, there are certain things like that. I know I was doing some service for years, and I really liked the service. And one day it became very apparent to me that that service was so mixed up with false ego and, and just so mixed up with material attachment that I wasn't able to, like, unmix it. You know, even with expert guidance, I couldn't unmix it. And so with, with deep regret, I said, you know, I can't do this service anymore. It, it's not good for me. It's not, it's not what's, what's right for, for my Krishna consciousness, even though there's nothing wrong with the service itself. And someone else could do it without a disturbance to their Krishna consciousness. But I can't. And this also may happen, which Prabhupada does not mention in this purport, this also may happen at a certain time. So the ashram system is like that, brahmachari, grahastavana, prastasanyas. So a certain time comes when you say, okay, my children are grown up, I don't need to earn a living anymore. I don't need to you know, maintain this facility. It's time to renounce things externally. And that's the idea of vanaprasta and sannyas. Uh, so that is also appropriate, that there may be a time. Ramaj Parikit, also, he comes to a time. He's told you're going to die in seven days. Okay, I'm going to die in seven days. Then I'm giving up these things externally. Someone else has to run the kingdom. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go and focus completely. So that time comes. That time comes for all of us in the form of death. And it may come for us at, you know, different stages in our life. Sometimes we may have a service that we're doing very gloriously and, and very opulently. And then maybe even, you know, our authorities come and say, okay, now I need you to do this. I think of... Um, was talking in India to some disciples of Gopal Krishnamaraj, and they were asking me about his life when he was a grahasta. And I was saying how he had a job in an advertising company, and his, client, his personal clients were Pepsi-Cola and Clairol hair dye. 
And the devotees in the temple were very critical of him, and they really thought he was just a totally in Maya grahasta. So they never asked him to speak on, on Shastra or anything like that. And then we lost our GBC for India. Tamakrishna Maharaj was a GBC for India, and he wanted to go to America and do the traveling bus party. So then there was no GBC for India, and Karandar, who'd been running Spiritual Sky, left the movement, so there was no head of Spiritual Sky. And Prabhupada wrote a letter saying that Gopal Krishna was qualified to become head of Spiritual Sky or to be the GBC for India. But three times in that very short letter, he said, I do not want him to give up his job. Which was quite shocking to the devotees at the time. Prabhupada wanted this man to keep his karmi job. <laughs> of course, Prabhupada did end up making him GBC of India, and he did end up giving up his job. And unfortunately for her, his wife refused to go to India, understandable at that time in 1975, but still, she refused to follow him to India. And he, he, would, he got an apartment for her, he got all facility for her in India, but after many years, when she refused to come, he finally took sannyas. So there's an example where he had, you know, he had a flat, and he had a family, and he had a job, but when Srila Prabhupada said, give this up and become GBC of India, then he gave it up externally. So one will give something up externally if one's just untrained, you don't know how to use it in service, or if somehow we are personally unable to use something in service, or if our authority said, Krishna or Guru says, okay, time to give it up, which again will happen to all of us, at least at the point of death, where we're told, okay, this is not your service anymore. You go on and do another service. How we become detached in bhakti is the most essential thing in this verse and purport. And I've been talking about it all through the class, but I really want to end on this note. It's Virudha Mamatam. We do not become detached by karma yoga, which is where you work hard and give up the fruits, or by jnana yoga, where we become philosophically convinced that this world is an illusion and not fit for our enjoyment, or by astanga yoga, where we manipulate the life airs of the body to put the mind into sattva gun and experience the higher bliss of Brahman. Uh, we become detached from the world by falling in love with Krishna. By getting an affectionate relationship with the owner of the world and the owner of our body, the owner of our mind, uh, the owner of the bodies and minds and uh, souls of all of our friends and family. That's how we become detached. And that kind of detachment amazingly enough, gives us real love for family and animals and home and everything. Isn't that interesting? Because when you love Krishna, you love everyone. But if you try to love everyone separately from Krishna, you love no one, really. If I actually have affection for the owner of the house in which I am staying, then won't I want to take nice care of the things in their house? Won't I actually have some affinity for even their things and their family members? Yes? Correct? So if I really love Krishna, then I'll love everybody. Why wouldn't I love my husband or my wife or my children or my dogs or my horses? I wouldn't love them as my children, though. I wouldn't love them as my husband. I wouldn't love them as my horses. Because they're not really my horses or my children, are they? That's not even real. 
but I would actually love them. Oh, here's Krishna's bug. How should I take care of it? Here's, here's Krishna's dom. We're going to talk uh, in verse 1 of Manashiksha about love for the holy places. Here's Krishna's dom. This is actually Nuvarshana. Right, one devotee was talking to me about how Radhagiri and Hadi walk around the property. I know Shivaram Maharaj talks about that in Hungary. He says, you know, Radhashama walking around the property. He says, we have to make nice things around the property so they can sit down and, and relax over here and do their leelas. And <laughs> I forget what, what one devotee did, because Maharaj has established different parts of New Vrajdam as, you know, here's Govardhan Hill, here's Radhakund, here's Keshigat, right? And so there's one area that he's designated as the Rasmandala. It's a, it's a grassy area. I think the devotees forgot to cut the grass there or something. And he was really upset. He said, how will Radhasham and the gopis dance here with such long grass? You know, so that this is, it's Krishna's land, it's Krishna's house. And then we actually have love for it. In fact, the devotees have more love than any materialistically attached person can even imagine. My love for another living entity materially is very small. You know, I have to struggle sometimes to remember somebody's name. It's like, okay, I know this person, I like this person, but what's their name? Or to remember what they do or what they like. Is it? You know, we, we, we struggle. In our human relationships, we so often hurt people that we love, that we genuinely have some affection for. We, we hurt them. We say the wrong thing. We do the wrong thing. We're not considerate. So how much love can we have? But when we love Krishna, we genuinely love everyone. So this bhakti process is so wonderful. We don't have to do any kind of dry renunciation. But we do need to become attached to Krishna. Not as a ritual, just hearing the Bhagavatam ritualistically, that, that's not going to do it. If we're chanting Hare Krishna, or worshiping the deity, we're hearing the Bhagavatam as some kind of ritualistic, religious thing to do. This is my religion, so that's what I do. It's not going to do it for us. Maybe after a million lifetimes. We want to become attached to Krishna. We should chant Hare Krishna to become attached to Krishna. We should serve the devotees to be attached to Krishna. We should take care of the temple and the property to become attached to Krishna. Everything we should do should be to increase our attachment to Krishna, especially here probably saying reading the Shastra. When we read the Shastra, it shouldn't just be, okay, now I read the Shastra. It should be, wow, Krishna. Krishna's devotees, how wonderful this Maharaj Prickett is. We, we should be getting affection for this Maharaj Brigitte. We should be feeling some attachment to him and attachment to, to his relationship with Krishna to involve our emotions. Therefore, Narada Muni says that the demons who have emotion for Krishna are better than the sadhakas who have no emotion for Krishna. <laughs> Better to be angry at Krishna <laughs> than, than to just, okay, this is my religion. So, In this way, one becomes untouched by the world. And then one of my favorite 
things I quoted a lot. Prabhupada says in Krishna book, chapter 20, that the materialists see the world as very aggressive, but to the devotees, everything is happily situated. If you want to both be spiritual and be happy in the world, then just try to be a bhakti yogi, just try to be spiritual, and then the whole world will seem to you as a happy place. And if we try to be happy separately from Krishna, we get a little tiny bit of happiness every once in a while for which we have to work very, very hard for, pay a very high price, and all of it gets taken away in the end. So we'll end here. Thank you very much. Questions, comments? Corrections, additions, subtractions, chastisements? Yes. wonderful question and people said to me yesterday I should repeat the questions for people hearing on the internet so I think what you're saying let me try to get see if I get it right that we're trying to please Krishna and the devotees but sometimes we fall short because we have a mixture of a desire to please our own senses and we have that mixture because we don't have faith that just by serving Krishna and the devotees will become happy is that correct so therefore Prabhupada says over and over and over and over that the process is gradual so if you, if you look at Madhurya Kanamani of Vishnu Chakavati Thakur, he says we start Krishna consciousness where our attachment to Krishna is just a tiny trace. It's, it's practically nothing. And our attachment to our ego is absolute. So we have this huge attachment to ego and this tiny little attachment to pleasing Krishna. And as I increase my attachment to pleasing Krishna, my attachment to pleasing my false ego decreases proportionally. And once it gets to about halfway, that's nishya. Once my attachment to, to Krishna and my attachment to my ego are about equal, that means the modes of passion and ignorance are effectively disabled. They're still there, but they're, they're not, they don't disturb my progress anymore. So until that point, Prabhupada says, it's a hard struggle with determination. You know, and you can, you can See that by devotees' language, which we'll also talk about Manashiksha a little bit. When devotees talk primarily about what's wrong with Maya and the struggle with Maya and what's wrong with illusion and how this world's not a nasty, you know, a nasty place, and when they're talking mostly about that, then you know they have they're still that because that's what's taking all of their energy is the, this hard struggle with determination. But once they pass that point, you'll notice that their language shifts. And they start talking much more about being attached to Krishna. Because that, that becomes what's, what's driving them. It's like at that point you kind of plateau and then go downhill. Prabhupada says after that everything comes automatically. So if someone's, if, if someone's not yet at that point, what you really want to do, remember that bhakti yoga is about increasing your attachment to Krishna much more than it's about fighting with an artist. 
And as we become more attached to Krishna, it's lovely. And then our faith increases and we say, oh, that was lovely. It's like if you have some, you know, it, it's kind of like, um, let's say people come from a heavy meat-eating culture. And, and they come from, let's say, a very northern latitude where spices don't grow naturally. And so people are traditionally accustomed to eating very bland food. Right? The people in the, in the high northern latitudes, their idea of a vegetarian diet is mashed potatoes with salt and butter and you know, steamed cauliflower with some salt, right? That's their idea of being a vegetarian. Their idea of salad is just lettuce. You know, we go to these temples in the high northern latitudes, and their idea of salad is lettuce. They, they bring out a big metal container. It's just lettuce. Few tomatoes or tomatoes, however you say it here. You know, a few little, I mean, if you kind of have to look carefully. Oh, is there a little red there in the container? So if you go to people who have that idea of food and you say be a vegetarian, they, they have no faith that it's going to make them happy. They can't imagine, what am I going to live on? Some mashed potatoes and peas? You understand? So we give them some nice Krishna prasadam. And that gives them some faith. Oh, wow, this is really good. And as they get that faith, they're willing to give up their attachment to their old diet. So it's exactly like that. You know, we're thinking, oh, attachment to Krishna, gosh, sheesh, attachment to Krishna. Wow, I won't be able to watch movies, and I won't be able to buy chips from the shop, and I won't be able just to have a boyfriend, and, you know, I won't be able to dance at the discotheque. It's just going to be mashed potatoes. You know, I'll just have to I'll just have to sit in rags at the bank of Radhakund chanting 150 rounds a day and just being so bored. That's kind of what we think. Isn't it? Right? Well, that's Krishna consciousness. I still hear from devotees all the time. If I was really Krishna conscious, I would give up everything I'm doing and just sit at Vrindavan and chant all day. And I'm thinking, wow. That's a symptom of ecstasy, really rather than a means. But so we, we get attached to Krishna and just taste a little bit of the happiness of getting attached to Krishna. And then you say, oh, that wasn't a subtraction, it was an addition. So then you have a little more faith and then you try to get a little bit more attached to Krishna. And while we're doing that, yes, we'll always fall short and just tolerate it and love yourself. You know, don't beat your, don't, there's no point in beating ourselves up for the fact that we're in a purificatory process and we're not yet pure. That's just dumb. It, it's just as dumb as getting in the shower in the morning and saying, oh, I've been in the shower for three minutes and I still haven't gotten the dirt off the bottom of my feet. Oh, this shower is useless. I'm useless. I might as well just sit down and cry. It's just, it, it's ridiculous. You know, you're cleaning your room and, especially if it's a really dirty room and you may be cleaning it for an hour. You're like, I've been cleaning this room for an hour and there's still dirt in the room. What is the point? 
So rather focus on the parts that focus on the attachment you have for Krishna. We should, we should feel sorry for our shortcomings, but not to sit around and cry about them all day. Definitely we should feel sorry. We should go to the devotees and say, I am a fool and I offended you and I'm sorry. No, but you don't want to live there. You understand? Okay, anything else? Thank you very much. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai, Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai.